Bolt your windows. Lock your doors. Check your closets. Look under your bed. And then, prepare yourself. For it's another episode of Dark Night of the Podcast. Whoa! Dark Night of the Podcast, fans and followers and friends, allow us to begin this episode with a prayer, because I think it only seems fitting. God, life is a mystery. Everyone must stand alone. I hear you call my name and it feels like home. Amen. Troy, after 10 years of uh, private school education, that's a really, that's all I've got as a gay man. That's, that's about it. Uh, that's a lie, though. I could actually recite every, every prayer beginning to end, need be. But how about you, Troy? Were you raised Christian? Um, no, I was not. So I did not have the pleasure, apparently, of, of going to a <laughs> Catholic school where I could have gotten my private parts stimulated with a shower he- nozzle. I, I missed out on <laughs> I missed out on that, apparently. I mean, come on. Oh, God. You know, well, according to... The the Nun, the movie which we are reviewing today, The Nun, uh, there's a lot of things that I missed out on as well, even though I did have some weird fucking experiences uh, during my time at St. Bernadette's and St. Edward Academy. Uh, none of them can compare to the sort of abusive uh, trauma that these girls were put through at this boarding school uh, in which... A good portion of the nun takes place. Um, my my education, uh, my private education, my private Catholic education, was rough, but it wasn't that rough. <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. What are your thoughts on nuns, Troy? Well, you know, <laughs> what do you think of them? <laughs> being a horror movie fan? There certainly are a lot of nuns that are pretty much uh, cunts. Am I right? I, I mean, oh. I don't know if they're. All, all that way, but they are in the movies I've watched. Yeah, yeah. I had one nun. I had one sister teach me, like, in a few classes, and she was kind of a bitch, I'm not gonna lie, but she definitely wasn't flooding your vagina in an attempted abortion bitch. She was just unpleasant, and we all made fun of her. But nothing like this. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel that people think maybe that nuns are, for some reason... Scary or off-putting. The majority of nuns I have met are actually very pleasant. They live up to, I would say, my expectations of what a nun should be, which is kind and, I don't know, godlike. Um, but I guess there is the rare exception who is a complete cunt and uh, has no issue physically abusing children. No. Well, there's there's certainly plenty of them to go around. I think of like... Uh, 
Oh, God, we get, look at Silent Night, Deadly Night, Mother Superior in that film. That was a, that, she was a bitch. And then what other evil nuns? There's so many, so many. Yeah. I mean, uh, coming down to the most recent edition, which would be The Nun, which is part of the Conjuring universe, which a lot of people were not a huge fan of overall. Um, that did spawn a whole new bout of nun-based material. I mean, it's yeah, all well, over the none, place yeah, right the now. Nun, the nun subgenre kind of made a little, uh, has made a little splash uh, these last few years. No thanks, <laughs> right? No but thanks to this film because I feel like this film uh, has gone widely forgotten. I, I know when you brought it up, yeah. I was like, you know what? I think I saw that. I can't remember if I saw it and watching it this time around. I still don't know if I've ever seen it. I, I'm sure I did. I do remember the, the cover art, the the poster art. So I'm sure I saw it uh, because like, like many a good horror fan back in the early 2000s, I was really trying to get my paws on all of the early 2000s post scream slasher flicks that I could because uh, thanks to scream, we did get a nice little slasher film revival for better or worse. Uh, some of them were pretty entertaining. Some of them not so much. But you picked one that I think pairs well with the film we covered last week, which was my pick, The Pool, uh, it, because both foreign slasher films both heavily deal with water, uh, both have issues with characters. <laughs> No. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you telling? Yeah, that's absolutely the case. A particular character that gets done dirty in terms of their death scene and and how they're handled. So I was like, oh wow, okay, this is really a good a good film to pair with the pool because it very much is uh, a similar vein. I, I not necessarily in like atmosphere or tone, but I think these like foreign these these early two thousands foreign slasher films just have a particular. Uh, feel and, and tone about them that is was a little is a little hard to replicate. You don't see it much anymore. I don't know what it was, but mm. there's a lot of them. I mean, we yeah. we've talked there's yeah. there's uh flashback, there's schools out, there's uh a whole slew of them. That's these foreign slashers that came out after Scream that just have this real distinct tone and atmosphere to them. Yeah, it's uh, it's a few things I think. Um, uh, first of all, I uh, you really start to notice some of the um, translation issues with some of these actors. I think being cast maybe out of like their home country. Uh, I think some of them, you know, maybe English is not necessarily their first language, and I think some of them probably struggle with some of the dialogue. So you see almost like a trend that you saw in a lot of the '70s films with a lot of, like, you know, the the rise of, like, the Italian horror and everything, where you get a lot of Italian actresses who would be speaking um, and either saying English and saying it poorly or just saying their dialogue in their native tongue and being dubbed over either way to provide for a very, like, jarring, um, disconnected element to the scenes that they're in because the dialogue never completely feels natural. And you, you do get that here in The Nun, for sure. There's definitely a few characters who just don't completely um, sync, I think, with their dialogue all of the time, and it's very noticeable. Um, I also think the editing style is very different from what we are seeing 
uh, from American cinema at the time. And I think in some cases they were very much trying to create or recreate the kind of um, vibe and energy and tone that we were setting with some of our horror in the early 2000s and the usage of CGI was really starting to become prominent, but I don't think it always hits completely. And again, I think you see that on display with The Nun, uh, which is our film of the week, if you all hadn't noticed. It is The Nun. It is The Nun. We brought it up last week. It is, it is not the Tessa Farmiga Nun. It is the 2005 Nun, uh, that is what is is it Spain? What country is this? Spain, I believe. It is from Spain. It is, and really quick, I've got to say, just really fast, because I'm going to forget it before we dive in. I've got to say, this is a horror movie fan um, because I'm super affected by it, and I know some of our listeners are going to get this. Uh, we lost an, a horror icon today. We lost Marilyn Eastman from the original Night of the Living Dead. Mm. She played Helen Cooper. If you all know me, you know it's my favorite film. I just needed to take a second to acknowledge that and um the reason i wanted to voice this so much being a podcast led by independent filmmakers is she was vital mm-hmm. vital vital on the set of of the original night of the living dead to ensuring that it came to fruition she worked in every department behind the scenes in front of the camera she played a zombie she played helen she did everything um and she is a, a woman who very much was a landmark pioneer within the big indie surgeons that that really started within the like 60s and the 70s she helped see night of the living dead through to fruition and so bummed that she passed i never got to meet her but she she seriously impacted me uh, i think her performance as helen was one of the standouts in that film mm-hmm. i'm super bummed so i just yeah. had to say that i needed to mention it because i am mourning her because i love that movie so much but anyways moving on yes, rest in peace we lost a good one we lost a good one. We lost a good one. But today, we uh, we were able to mourn <laughs> our losses and let our tears <laughs> fall uh, to the sweet, sweet sounds of 2005's The Nun, a.k.a. La Manja. It is a Spanish film. You are correct, Troy. And it was directed by uh, Luis de la Madrid who uh, mainly, most of his work was in editing on other films, but he has directed a couple of things. Nothing else has made any impact. Not to say The Nun really made any impact in its own right, but I would have to say this is probably his his biggest credit in that department. Um, and it stars a pretty diverse international cast, um, international, mainly Spanish actresses, though the leading actress, her name is Anita Brim. Uh, and she's Icelandic. She, yes. Yeah, Icelandic. She's um, you might know her from Dylan Dog, uh, Dylan Dog, Dead of Night, which is awful. Um, a Journey to the Center of the Earth, uh, Elevator, and then The Tudors, the show The Tudors. So she's got some credits under her belt. She's someone who's actually works in the industry. But a lot of these other faces really don't have a ton of credits we're going to recognize. No, and probably for good reason. Yes, yes, I would agree. The acting is definitely not the standout in this film. Um, at times, it's really hard to get through. <laughs> Some of the dialogue in this is is rough, but we'll, we'll touch on it when we get there. Um, right off the bat, I want to say that I think that the movie overall looks pretty good. Um, it looks very of the era, but it's not shot poorly. It's a pretty movie. It doesn't look like it has the biggest budget, but it's competent. The cinematography is competent. 
Uh, and it's it's at times actually visually striking. So it does have that going for it. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Especially towards the end of the film yeah. you know, with all the under underwater stuff is pretty, pretty uh, cool looking and yeah. very well done. I mean, that can't be an easy feat to shoot a movie, you know, yeah. with using as much water and under underground stunts that they had to do for this film. Yeah. And I think they pulled it off quite nicely. And you're right. The film, the film does have some really cool atmospheric moments. Mm-hmm. Um it gets a little repetitive. I, I should. I'm gonna say. Let me. Let me backtrack and say it gets a lot of repetitive. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of it is a little bit of a chore to get through. Uh, but you just stick around, and there are some nice little nuggets of <laughs> film, good filmmaking, and, and interesting concepts, and some good kill scenes. Yeah, you know, sp- scattered throughout. Yeah, I mean, I think. That overall, there are some good concepts here that maybe they maybe they don't hit it completely on the head, but they do a pretty good job with a few of these moments. Um, one of the things I really enjoy going into this is the deaths here. I love it when a movie has like deaths that are themed, like there's a purpose for why people are dying a certain way, and um, I and. Uh, I think in this movie, they use the, uh, for me, as a cat, someone who grew up Catholic, this is very effective to me. They use the patron saints in which the girls, these lead characters, are named after uh, as the means of which they are killed. And I thought that was kind of striking, especially a few of the deaths are done in a way that is visually really impressive and, and very much ties into the means in which the actual saint died. I thought that was pretty kick-ass. And another thing I like is... And I think you'll appreciate this, Troy, is that the focal group of individuals in which the the killer, whom is the nun, uh, is, is targeting is a group of middle-aged women, some of which are actually like age. They have not aged by Hollywood standards. You know what I mean? They look like average women. And I thought you would appreciate that knowing what you did with like teacher shortage and everything, trying to go outside the box are you trying to say I'm an average-looking woman, Roger? Oh, Troy. You're a 10 out of 10. <laughs> no. you know, uh, but you know what? I, 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 I totally am like Christine in this – or Christy in this film, and I, I, I love to wear my silk little nighty, you know, all through the hotel. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm not saying you. I'm saying what you tried to do with, with a teacher shortage, <laughs> meaning like you tried to cast and – you tried to uh, put together an ensemble of characters that felt like very realistic. They weren't like picture perfect plastic teenage somethings. They were like, you know, aged individuals who had, you know, real careers and real lives and inspired off real people. And I think you see that here with this group of women that come together. The fact that they chose to go with like mid to late 30s, early 40s and make some of them kind of frump a dumps. I thought that actually worked in this movie's favor. Yeah, it is. It is really interesting that you do get a it's basically two sets of characters. You have your main group, which is the young teenage, uh, you know, stereotypical, all you know, pretty good looking cast. And then, but then you also have the group of the women who are actually, you know, they were. They were they were students at this boarding school uh, th- that this s- sister Ursula was the head nun at. And so. The movie takes place in in current times, but it flashes back, and you kind of get to see how this nun was a horribly abusive bitch. And it starts with kind of the opening scene. 
Yeah, this movie gets right into it. Um, And they, sometimes in favor and sometimes in not, this movie chooses to follow a path that directly just hands the viewer exposition scene by scene. And a lot of times the dialogue, because of that, suffers because it literally just spoon feeds you like storyline because it's a very convoluted storyline. So I think they're just trying to like plow their way through it. But for a lot of times it makes for a very awkward delivery. However, the opening sequence I really liked, and it's this whole flashback set in this boarding school where you're introduced to introduce to sister Ursula, who is like the antagonist figure of the movie. And she walks right in and she encounters this group of six girls who are kind of the bad girls at this boarding school. Uh, they're all 17. They all look 17, which I love. These girls look like real students. They don't look like 30-somethings playing children. They did a really good job of casting girls in these roles and then casting older women also to reflect them later in life. That seems very realistic. Um, but so these girls are kind of the punks of the school, and you get through this dialogue right away that they can't stand Sister Ursula. Uh, you get their personalities through one line. You get There's the nerdy one. There's the bitchy one. There's the angry one. And it very much delivers who they are and what's going on right off the bat. And they also give us a really nice sound off of each girl's name that Sister Ursula goes through so we know exactly who they are. And she literally goes down the line, and she's like, Mary, Zoe, Christy, Susan, Joanna, you Layla. <laughs> like, you know, you know exactly which girl is which, and it makes it very easy for us to follow. Yeah, she says all their names, and she's well, and then she makes the one girl, which one it's, um, is it Susan? Which one has the limp? Uh, it's Eulalia. Eulalia, okay, she has the limp, and she's like, the nun right away is like, oh, your you your limp doesn't excuse you from being on time, and you, that's God's way of punishing you. Oh yeah, right off the bat, she's verbally abusing the like the handicapped girl. So you know this nun is not living up to her Christianly ways. Um, but she's being a total bitch to these kids. It completely makes sense why they hate her. And for some reason, as the nun is writing the word sin in massive letters on the chalkboard, um, the one girl, Mary, thinks it's a good time to start working on a love letter. Um, and so, of course, the nun senses it, Sister Ursula, and she whips around and she runs over. She sees the letter. She gets pissed off by it and she proceeds to tear it up and force feed it to mary (laughs) yeah she literally shoves the letter down this poor girl's throat in the middle of class uh and then there is a a scene let's basically the nun throws her against the wall and starts to transform into like this demonic looking character however we find out it's a dream mary's having a a dream about the the nun although i'm pretty sure what happened in the scene really happened up until the point where the nun turns into some flying demon, which happens a lot in this film. So yeah, you get a taste of the abuse and the trauma that this nun has inflicted on these poor girls because they are all still very traumatized by this particular nun. So adult Mary wakes up. We basically then cut to a high school dance where we get introduced to our younger characters led by the very blonde cherubic looking Eve who we find out is Mary's daughter. Yeah, they very much do a actually like do a good job of kind of setting up the breadcrumbs to follow of the story like right off the bat. And even there's this like transitional moment where 
um, Mary, like, goes to grab a piece of Kleenex to, like, blot blood from her nose. Because, of course, her nose is bleeding because it only makes sense when you wake up from a nightmare. You're also having a bloody nose. That's normal. Um, but so she um, reaches across her nightstand and you see a picture of her and Eve. So it's like, this is this is her daughter. This is handed to you. Easy. Uh, when you transition over to this, like, it's like a prom sequence. Uh, 2005 feels very 2005. It's I think where like a chunk of the budget went because it's quite a lavish prom. They have a sax band. <laughs> like they have a full brass band up on the stage playing jazzy music. Um but one thing that really bothers me is and I think this is like trailing after the it's still hot off the success of the Blair Witch when movies were really starting to get into doing um like POV style oh, found footage, footage camera yeah. footage. Um, the character of Joel, who I think is the best character in this film, um, f- he has this camera that he's carrying around with him, and a lot of times it'll cut over to his, you know, his camera's point of view. And so all of the footage that you see on his camera is extremely bogged down with exposition like it only exists to fast forward the storyline along so like it cuts to this found footage and like every line that's coming out of the character's mouth is just like a fact it's like oh uh eve just turned 18 and she hates water and she doesn't totally get along with her mom all the time because you know how she is and we're going to spain on a vacation like it literally is just all major key playing facts that you need to know to get to the next segment of the storyline it really doesn't even need to have this dance sequence. I agree. And one of my notes was about the found footage stuff. It's, it's, it's spring. It's well, it's POV. It's not found footage, but it's the POV shots of this Joel character filming certain scenes, but he doesn't do it. It's not like a constant thing. It's, it's done a couple times and there's really no purpose to it. Like you said, Mm -hmm. unless it's just to blatantly explain something that could be explained through other sort of dialogue or character interactions later in the movie. It's just all of a sudden you'll be watching the flick and it just switches to uh, Joel's POV camera shot with no warning, no purpose. It happens a couple times and it's never, mm-hmm. there's no payoff to it. Like there's, there's no reason for it. Um, it's, it's really odd. It, unless like you yeah. said, it's just that whole, you know, Blair Witch came out what five years before this and, you know, was one of the most successful films of all time. So I'm assuming these films thought, oh, let's jump on the bandwagon and throw some, you know, POV found footage stuff in our film because ha ha ha. And I think to prove my point, the character of Joel makes a very blatant Blair Witch joke or reference later in the film. And a I Know What You Did Last Summer reference later in the film. Yeah, I think they were completely aware that they were doing something that was going to read very Blair Witch. And so they, like, intentionally called it out, being like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. But it, it just seems kind of like a ripoff. And I really think they could have, like, if they're going to do a dance scene like this, I wish they would have just handled it like any other scene in the movie. But I think they realized that in order for them to get through this, like, very bloated storyline quickly, they... They used the POV camera trope to make sure they could get through it as fast as possible. Because, of course, there's, like, the awkward jump edits, the static blips, where you literally just go from, like, line to line to line of exposition without any, like, real development between it. I would have rather have just seen it as, like, a normal sequence, but whatever. 
Uh, it eventually culminates with him trying to find Eve, who's wandered off with like her love interest at the school. His, I think his name's Harvey. He's really not a big character. He's only in this moment. But um, he discovers them in like the showers of the school where a bunch of the kids have like snuck off to make out. And as he's filming them, Eve accidentally bumps the shower handle and sets off the water. And it causes her to react with shock, as I suppose anyone would when they're sprayed with cold water. But uh, it obviously has quite an effect on her. She starts hyperventilating and shrieking, and then it awkwardly just cuts away without explanation. Because who needs explanation? <laughs> yeah. Well, and we just got a lengthy conversation about how much she hates water. So there you go. So in case you wanted to see how much she hates water... We got a we got a visual representation of her freaking out because a shower turns on on her. I'm like, bitch, if that's how you act in the, taking a shower, I mean, do not get me stuck in a water based location with Eve from this film and Sarah from the last one because these two broads are incompetent. They are just absolutely incapable of defending themselves in moments of fear uh, up until i would say the final 10 minutes of either film eve g- floats through this movie with a look of fawn-eyed confusion uh, at all times she rarely gives a reaction or a response of actual humanity um up until towards the end but most of the time when eve i don't know stumbles upon a dead body which she does often over the course of this movie she just reacts with a gasp and a oh like a Oh, wow. <laughs> like an Anna Ferris reaction. <laughs> yeah, but um, I wouldn't say Eve makes for the strongest lead, but I think that would come across difficult for any actress trying to tell this story. Uh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, very much in line with Sarah. Two bland final girls in a, in a row. Roger. Good Lord. I know, I know. Shame on me. Shame on me. But I, next one, we're making up for it, I promise. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we cut back after this. Yeah, after this after this traumatic shower experience, we cut back to Mary, Eve's mother, at home by herself. Water start. Uh, it's a very kind of a creepy scene because you just start hearing like all these little weird things start to happen that are water related, like the faucet won't shut off. And then you start hearing like the water pipes rumbling uh, she goes uh, into the dining room and her vase is knocked over and there's water all over the floor she goes to take it to the kitchen and now the sink's clogged it's like what next it's just water 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 everywhere water everywhere uh, so she takes a little you know plunger and unplunges the sink gets that to go down and all of a sudden the window blows open not water based <laughs> not water based but then uh, as she's freaking out about that we see the nun basically come out of the sink in a very cgi yeah uh manner the nun <laughs> it's a cgi the nun watery is, nun. in fact like composed out of water let's be clear here this movie is circ- it is 2005 and it shows and when i first watched this movie as a teenager i loved it watching it now I would say maybe like 20% of the digital shots of the water nun hit home. The rest of the shots do look very like 
these people just procured a green screen are kind of fucking around with it, seeing what they can do. But they're trying. And I, you know, I give them credit for trying something new. Uh, the nun does manifest out of the sink in the form of water. Water starts rising up around her. Um, and just as the nun begins to take form, Eve pulls up into her driveway and walks into her house, only to discover her mother <laughs> being <laughs> held captive by the watery nun, and who then proceeds to slit her throat and... <laughs> splash out the window. She turns to water and she she just disappears out the window. And Eve is clearly taken aback. <laughs> Eve is taken aback, although she does not seem too torn up that her mother died. She literally gives that expression where she's like, she watches this thing cut her mother's throat and she goes, oh. <laughs> she, just, she seems very confused, I would say. But I would be confused too. Like, what I, if I walked into the, my kitchen... Unexpectedly, there is a water nun <laughs> holding any of my relatives hostage. I would first, I would just react <laughs> with confusion. I wouldn't really scream. I would just be baffled. But then, you know, obviously her mother's killed. So she does have like a whole weeping sequence. Oh, the, yeah. The police show up and are questioning her about what she saw because apparently there's no fingerprints. And blah, blah, blah. She's crying away and they're they're trying to get to the bottom of it. Her friend, Julia, is that her name? Julia, right? The one who can't sh- give a single line of dialogue <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a single, like, bit of human emotion, that one. <laughs> oh, God, she's awful. <laughs> she's, she, I think a lot of it's her accent. Again, I think she just speaks Spanish and really can't get the English out with a lot of feeling. <laughs> yeah, she has some rough she has some rough spots in this film where bless her heart she's trying uh, but she proceeds to t- this is like why would you do this your friend's mother just was murdered your friend told you hey my mom was murdered i walked in and saw someone cut her throat what does this bitch do she pulls the police officer aside and she's like hey you know she probably killed herself because <laughs> she tried to kill herself a, a couple years back okay this whole bit of dialogue, okay, this little, this <laughs> conniving little bitch. I'm well, no, no, no. Here's my confusion beyond that, Troy. Julia, the actress of Julia, is tasked with delivering this <laughs> monologue. First of all, the girl can barely speak English, but she's she's tasked with delivering this monologue that basically says to the police officer, "You know, her mother tried to kill herself years ago. My boyfriend was friends with her." <laughs> Since they were like four, and he told me that her mom tried to kill herself. But I guess Eve doesn't remember this. I, however, know this. Eve just doesn't remember any of it. How does how does Julia know that Eve's mother tried to kill herself, but Eve has no recollection of it, and they are best friends? Like, how is that something that has not come up in conversation or been touched upon? It just makes it absolutely no sense to me that her friend would possess this information and also be completely aware that Eve has no recollection, but just never touched on the topic. You get what I'm saying? It just makes no sense. No, it doesn't make any sense. And it's just one of these awkward, I guess, plot devices for them to kind of, oh, 
throw away the whole idea that uh, they need to focus on the fact that her mother was actually murdered, right? Because if you had to focus mm-hmm. on that, then poor, what's her name? Eve would have to stay around and, and probably be interrogated even more, answer more questions. So it feels like it's just a plot device where we're like, oh, well, let's 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 say that this mother tried to kill herself so that the cops can. So now this backstabbing bitch of a friend can go tell the cops that the mother tried to kill herself. That way we can just move the plot along. But let's keep hiding it from Eve, who is obviously struggling with some mental stress after watching her mother be killed well, by another. Obviously nun. not, because the the bitch is on a plane going on vacation uh, two hours later. Unfazed, <laughs> <laughs> unfazed. But we'll get to that. We'll get to that. We do cut to a moment with um, Eulalia, the girl Eulalia. who had the Eulalia. <laughs> you, you, I can't even really say it, and I'm, I'm really trying here. But she's the one with the gimp leg. Um, and I gotta say, what God deprived of this woman in motor skills, he bestowed upon her in breasts, because she has one of the best racks I've ever seen. And you tell me that this isn't the Spanish version of Caroline Williams, because they look identical, only this woman is a little more Spanish. But other than that, they look very similar, even down to the harsh bangs from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. <laughs> Actually, when I was watching it, I was like, she reminds me of somebody. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and this, this character basically through a phone conversation, just hands off some more exposition that, um, one of the things that was noted, can we just stop and say how much of the, how much of exposition of this film is done through phone calls and answering machine messages? Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. Well, thank God people are calling and leaving messages at the exact times (laughs) they are because it, it literally gets people from point A to point B so much easier. This movie is so strategically played. Everything leads right into the next thing with no question. Um, and, and so people show up in the exact oh, yeah. like, like the exact time they that's just convenient. There's yes, yes. It's all like yeah. Said, the, it's all mapped out. It's there's no nothing happens with like um like a uh, 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 like unexpected or a shock factor. Yeah, or an air of like yeah, or like an air of like yeah. coincidence. Everything seems very blatantly done. And that's not necessarily a good thing. No, everything seems like very like easily acceptable to mm-hmm. everyone involved. Whereas in real life, these scenarios would cause doubt and question. I'll say that people should be questioning things more in the nun. And instead, people kind of just go with the flow and it ends up resulting in a lot of people dying, which is a problem. Um, so anyways, we find out that the women that were involved with the original incident involving Sister Ursula, all of the girls from this private boarding school are in contact with each other because one of them, I believe I believe it was Joanna, had died in a fire prior to just the a, events where the movie began. Before, a couple, a couple weeks, weeks, weeks ago. before the start of the events of the movie, yeah. Which, as a fact in general, is problematic, as you'll come to find out, because it really... You'll see. <laughs> when you find out what happens in this movie, nothing really makes sense at all. But you, we're proceeding. Uh, and so the, all the women are in contact because they suspect that her death was somehow maybe tied to something that they know that they were all involved with back when they were kids. And now that Mary is also dead, they think it's even more suspicious. So all of the women that are still alive, the final four, are going to be getting together and taken care of business, as middle-aged women do. And um, next thing we have, we cut to 
Mary's funeral. Mm. I love Mary's funeral only because Christy shows up and Christy is like my favorite <laughs> character of the whole movie. Troy, I knew you were going to love this game. <laughs> she is uh, 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 not at all conventional. <laughs> she is not what you expect. <laughs> um, we have a funeral sequence and there is a mysterious figure standing to the side wearing dark sunglasses <laughs> and she is an average everyday dame with a short cropped hairstyle and uh, uh, a full figure. She's a curvy, thick woman. And she looks like your neighbor. She looks like anyone you'd see on the streets. It's Christy. And Christy goes right on up to Eve and basically introduces herself and explains the situation at hand. Um, And uh, Christy is a character in this who really suffers from, again, a bad dubbing. Christie's dialogue delivery is very wooden. Well, her, <laughs> I'm just her. Everything is very wooden. <laughs> her little run down the hallway. <laughs> I've, never, I've never seen someone run with such less purpose in my fucking life. No one, you're being chased by a murderous nun. This bitch throwing her robe on, going down the hallway, <laughs> peeking over her shoulder with her. She, oh, we're going to get so there. You know, you know I made a note of happening in this movie? Some of them miss, but God, do some of them hit. And we're going to talk about it. Um, did I not, did I not text you last <laughs> night when I was watching this and said, I, this Christy bitch is my, sp- her and her silk Your cup of tea. Like, if you're going out, Troy, you're going out in, in fine Christy fashion. Because she really, yeah. I mean, she's not on camera a lot in this movie, but sure as hell makes the most of it. Um, <laughs> and so she hands off her business card and Eve leaves and uh, Christy watches her go only to, to witness a flock of nuns pass by in the background. And as the nuns like make their way by, Christy's like, oh, like she's obviously like very unsettled by these nuns who mean no harm whatsoever. And they're very like not intimidating, but it is what it is. I get it. After Christy's been through what she's been through, I get it. But there's a point, we have to make a point here, that Christy does, and you said it, but just to reiterate, Christy does give Eve her business card and say, says, I need to see you, I need to speak to you at my hotel, okay? Just so that, that so that's out there, so that we can build to the ending of the Yeah, movie. which is honestly, like, they cover this movie in, I'd say, like an hour, 30, 40 minutes. This movie, the storyline really deserves four hours because it is mind-boggling there i can't explain it i mean i'm sitting here trying to tell you all the storyline and it is just making absolutely no sense but bear with me so eve starts doing some sleuthing through her mother's private possessions in her bedroom which reveals her father's identity um and also she finds a mysterious address um (laughs) meanwhile christy has slipped into something more comfortable a a silk negligee it's a silk negligee (laughs) With no bra. With no bra. And this, this dame, like, it, this looks like if you saw your mom, like, running <laughs> running into the bathroom from her bedroom, like, she left the shower running, you know? Like, it's just good for them, though, casting a realistic female figure. Um, and so there is another, like, kind of cool sequence of the water. When the nun starts, like, making her presence known, water starts to seep out from underneath everything, like, inanimate objects, like, at one point when um, there's a note on the bed, the water starts to kind of like ooze out from under the paperwork. And then that's later discovered by Eve. And so in this case, you have um, 
Christy get up from the bed and she goes into the bathroom and her keys have been left on the bed and you start to get some of the water start pooling out from under all these items and you hear the sound do that very like early 2000s like you know where like the sound like drops out but they okay we're gonna we will get there but I just have to say (laughs) the whole water leaking out of everywhere and shit makes zero sense it makes no sense at all when you f- come to the end of the film, zero, nothing. So many things about the course of this movie in general make no sense. Especially like knowing, I'm really tempted just to tell the listeners what the ending is, but I can't. I we'll won't get there. We'll get save there. Save it. I'll save, save it, it. But just know, well, like, if they if they've seen it, they know. The yeah. Ending. If you haven't seen it, well, yeah, I, you're, you're missing out on Christy <laughs> and her name. So at least treat yourself to that. But just know that a lot of these things that we are telling you, when the movie does conclude, if you go back and watch it again. These things do not make sense. It just doesn't have any explanation for how these things transpire or occur, including this moment where Christy goes into the bathroom and the toilet <laughs> proceeds to vomit on Blow, her. It, the toilet blows up in her face. It literally rockets water all over her. It does. And she just stands there for a minute. And then her her reaction is to like run to the phone to call who is she trying to call the front desk i think so (laughs) bitch get out of the hotel room and then as she turns around she dramatically sees the nun the reflection of the nun in her mirror and what does she do she walks away well no she she walks away but what does she do she grabs she grabs her beautiful silk fucking robe (laughs) and she elegantly ties it around her waist she doesn't want anyone to see her in her silky negligee it's too much it's too much for people to handle uh, she's got to throw on another layer, and so she slowly does this as I'm... <laughs> While the nun is right behind I'm her. guessing the nun the is just time. waiting in the bathroom. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, we'll wait. Put your... Get get, get your negligee on, yeah. lady. But then she... And then she proceeds to walk out oh, of the hallway. Oh, it's more like a power walk at this point, <laughs> but it's a walk. <laughs> she's walking down the hallway. The nun is comes out of the room behind her, and it's like floating down the hallway, and she proceeds to just keep walking. Every once in a while, she'll turn around to see where the nun is at. <laughs> it's almost like she's like, well, maybe she didn't see me. I'll just keep walking like everything's okay. <laughs> then she gets on the elevator. She wait, She pushes the elevator, literally stands there 10 minutes, waiting for the elevator to come down to her floor. And then she gets on it. And there's just like this moment where she's like awkwardly peeking out the elevator Oh, it, it doesn't make any sense, but nothing in this film does. And uh, even like with the nun, like she sees Christy strolling down the hallway, but then she just like floats away. It's very like taunting cat and mouse, though, so it kind of works. And I will also say, like like I said earlier, a lot of shots of the nun do not work in this film. But every once in a while, there is a really cool shot that does. And she kind of has this like floating like motion because she's suspended in water. And it does make for a cool visual. Watching it like on a high-definition TV, probably doesn't translate as well. It worked a lot better when I was watching a DVD on my cheap television from 2004. So, you know, some things just don't age well. But it still makes for a cool sequence. It just has a pacing issue because Christy seems very unmotivated to get out of there. Well, and then she gets, she's on the elevator. The elevator basically starts leaking water too. And then it like stops and at the same time, conveniently, the exact same time, Eve shows up to the hotel because they're supposed to meet to talk. And Christy is is 
the elevator stop like mid floor, right? So she first thing she thinks to do is try to climb out of the elevator, which you never do, which you never do. Like you never do that. Like she puts her arms out and it's like hanging out, trying to climb out. And of course the elevator drops down and basically rips her hand, her arms off. It's a cool effect. Like, here's the thing. It is a cool, like the, it's done well. It is done well. And then you get a shot of her actual body that's really effective. Because Eve shows up and is trying to get on the elevator at the exact same time. And the elevator opens up and you have Christie's laying against the elevator wall. Basically, both of her arms have been severed off. So you just got these bloody stumps and she's just like bleeding profusely and gasping for, for life. And then she dies. And again, Eve doesn't seem all that too concerned about it. No, she gives another gasp. Nobody seems that concerned because a lot of people see the body. It's revealed to the whole lobby of the hotel. Yeah, but they um, it's just an accident, they say. It's just an accident. Yeah, yeah. And another suspicious thing to me, if I were you know, a bystander, is how clean the cut of the sever is on her arms. I mean, they are, it's like cut through it like butter. It's like, it's, there's no joints. You'd, th- you'd think her head would be smashed with the weight of the elevator because the elevator doesn't just go down slowly. It obviously like just drops. So like you'd think her whole body would just be destroyed, but nope, her arms are just cut cleanly off at the, at like the elbow. But um, it does kill her and it is a really gnarly effect. Um, <clears throat> But overall, I mean, I would say, even with its pacing issues, it is visually probably the most striking kill in the movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say so. I would say so. So Eve has agreed to go to Barcelona with uh, Julie and Joel. And so they're on the plane. And basically, Julia is being adamant about the fact that these deaths were just accidental. The death was just accidental. Uh, and Eve is trying to convince her otherwise, but Julie is not having any of this. Julie's not, she's no nonsense. She's like, nope, it was an accident. You're, you know, you're, you're nuts. And we do get this kind of cool shot of like, it starts raining and, and, uh, what's her name? Eve is sitting there looking out the window and you see like the nun sitting on the wing of the plane, very twilight zone. Yes. Yeah. No, I thought the same thing. Um, uh, nightmare at 20,000 feet. Yeah. Yeah, very iconic. I also thought it was very <laughs> reminiscent of the movie Bridesmaids, in which yes. Kristen Wiig begins to panic because she's heavily drugged, and she gets on the microphone and tells everybody that there's a continental oh, woman on the wing okay. of the chain, the a plane churning butter. Churning butter. Oh, yeah. on the <laughs> yes, yeah. a colonial woman. <laughs> there, there's something they're not telling us. Um, I, I also feel that all things considered, like at this point in the movie. Eve's fine. Like, Eve definitely didn't just see multiple people killed at the hand of a water nun, <laughs> like, one of which being her mother. Like, if I was Eve, I would be in meltdown mode. I would definitely not be traveling to another country. And she, she's processing it well. She is processing it well. She processes it even even better here in a few minutes when she gets to meet somebody else. I do oh, like yes. this scene. I do like this little effective jump scare. I mean, it's a it's a cop. It's a kind of a generic jump scare, but it got me when the nun like when the nun's face hits the plane window. Made me jump a little it's bit. So it cheesy. is super cheesy. She literally just it's because like, they 
They time it so, like, Eve, like, sees the nun on the wing of the plane, constructed out of, like, falling rain. It's very striking. It actually is a really cool moment. And then she, like, sits back and she's like, okay, I'm just going to, like, relax. Like, maybe I didn't see that nun on the wing of the plane. And she's, like, sitting there and they give you, like, a full, like, I'd say, like... 20 seconds and all of a sudden the the nun just like smacks against the window upside down and it really is a startling moment you do not expect i mean you expect it but they take so long with it that you're like maybe they're just gonna cop out and they don't they give you that one little jump scare although this film doesn't really rely on a lot of jump scares i think that's really the only one Uh, most of the most of the i guess scares in this film just come from the imagery but that's one jump scare that i thought was pretty well done it got me. It got me. Oh, yeah. So once they're in Barcelona, yeah. the first thing Eve wants to do is go to the library because she is hell-bent on finding out. We have to. We do have to say, even though she acts, she doesn't act like she really cares that everyone's dead. She sure is hell-bent on finding out more about the history of this p- potential killer nun and what her mother experienced at this boarding house. Because first thing she does when they're in Barcelona is go to the library and starts to do some research. And this is where we get a, another character introduction at the copy machine. She's trying to make copies. And we have the very handsome, very charming Gabriel. Oh, yes. Father Gabriel, as we learn. Because Gabriel, it turns out, is a priest. How ironic. And he is a priest, but he's a priest who is torn. We find out pre- the, that Gabriel is torn because of a motorcycle accident. And uh, after meeting Eve, he's also apparently torn because love. Because right away they have chemistry. Is it love or is it just lust? I'm assuming it's lust, all things considered, because they literally just fucking met. And all it takes is a few copies of some documents for Gabriel to follow Eve into the night and do whatever it takes to help her without question whatsoever. He has no doubt that what she says goes. And uh, from this point on, Gabriel is pretty much glued to Eve. He's an endearing character, but he literally, if he would have had a little bit of doubt in Eve, he could have avoided a lot of dilemmas. (laughs) Yeah, well, he's very charming and very handsome. Very handsome. This dude Mm -hmm. is very handsome Uh, and just a charming character. Very charming. And yeah, we'll we'll get to what I really want to say uh because it reminds me sort of of like the character of mike in in the pool played by james mcavoy you had this very charming character that is given a lot to do uh in the film and you think they're going to be a more prominent figure than what they are the exact same absolutely and in even in, in some ways even to a worse regard when you consider the finale as well uh but yeah well we will definitely get to that and Eve's character is written in such a way, it's so weird, because she's balancing between literally two emotions. She's torn between being horny and being deeply affected after seeing multiple women die (laughs) and, and like, struggling with drama. And that's it. She's horny for this priest, and then she's also determined to solve the deaths of her mother and her friends. And that's all she's really given to go off of. Uh, But God, hot priest is, is hot. And he um, he quickly earns us some background story on uh, Sister Ursula, speeding up the process and moving things along significantly for Eve. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, and he even shows up at the club 
later that evening that Joel, Eve, and Julia are at. They're at this they're at this booming happening dance club, and this priest shows up so that he can give Eve some of the copies he made for her. Yeah. I'm like, what a fucking gentleman. He's going what? this priest is going to the goddamn club so he can give Eve these uh these copies. And of course, this is the moment that Joel, the character of Joel, says some smart ass comment about him being a priest. S- something what is he it's something sexual. He says, I guess it would be is it the I guess it would be embarrassing to tell a priest that a nun killed your mother. No, no, he says something. Like no, it's line. it's when he first meets Joel, or when he first meets Gabriel at the club. He says something about sex. It's a sexual joke about, well, you can't, you can't really have sex with with her now, can you, or something like that. He's talking about Eve, and then he gets mad and leaves. The Gabriel gets mad and is like, "Oh, I'm going to go." Joel is kind of a dick. He's kind of a dick, but Joel is also significantly more competent than everybody else in the film like anytime a good decision is made or uh anytime somebody like calls out the plausibility of what is actually happening it's joel i mean i don't think he's necessarily the most likable character but he is by far the most rational eve goes after gabriel and they do have this moment uh where together where they do talk and we do find out that uh gabriel is conflicted because he his girlfriend died in a motorcycle accident and he he was driving and he does make the comment when he gets to the club because Joel offers him a drink and he says, no, he doesn't drink anymore. And then that's when Joel makes some comment about having sex with, Oh, I guess you can't have sex either then. Right. If you know, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. yeah, Gabriel makes the comment about how he, nobody believed him that he wasn't sober when he had the motorcycle accident. Even though he really, truly, he says he truly was sober, nobody believed him. So he's, you know, conflicted about this whole, this whole incident in his life. But you get to get kind of a nice little uh, moment with them. Uh, but then it cuts to woman with the canes, Arulia. Eulalia. Eulalia is waddling down the hallway with her cane. And her dog. Constantly running a bathtub. This bathtub has been overflowing for the entire movie. And she doesn't do anything to try to shut it off. Well, um, she does, but then it turns back on and then she just doesn't seem to be that phased by it. <laughs> she's running a bath. The nun basically shows up. In the bathtub, in the bath water, and taunts her. The dog, yeah. Well, no, the dog starts acting funny, and I'm like, if you kill the dog, I'm going to be mad. But they don't kill the dog. The dog kind of senses that the nun is there, and so she goes into the bathtub again, the bathroom, and the bathtub is running again. So she reaches in, unplugs it, and she slips and falls on the bathroom floor. And this is when the nun comes out of the bathtub in a dramatic, watery CGI effect again, and. We cut, and in the meantime, this exact same moment, Roger, this exact same moment, Eve has decided that she's going to leave this club at 1.30 in the morning where she's been drinking and partying all night to go over to Eulalia's you, you, you <laughs> house. I'm like, why are you going over to this bitch that you've never met? You're going over her house in the middle of the night. For what? And after inevitably stumbling upon her dead body... Well, she just walks. Which in I, yeah, she just walks Apparently. right in. She finds the woman dead. At this point, in the game. Why is nobody questioning Eve? 
I'm sorry. This is the third time this has happened in a matter of days. The third time that somebody has been found dead with Eve being present in a matter of days. She has been at location every single time. This is all signs point to yes. This is a red herring if I ever seen one. But it's because of her fawn eyes and her looks of confusion and her dopey, I don't know what happened reactions that people seem to just be, okay, okay. She was just there again, but she was just there. And Eulalia is suspended from wires hanging in her bathroom. And I'm, I'm going to be honest, if I'm going to die in a, a bathtub, it might as well be this very cool looking cement bathtub. But it's still, Eulalia is unfortunate that she couldn't run away because of her <laughs> of her apparent gimp leg. But she is disposed she is of. Cru- she's crucified in her <laughs> yes. bathroom. But again, I just find it hilarious that Eve just decides in the middle of the night to go to this lady she's never met in her entire life. She's going to show up to her house. At this point. How did she expect that to go? (laughs) Come in. Come in. Come in, yes. I'm going to say, though, at this point, she's seen so much death, she can't even react anymore. (laughs) But, But thank God, Roger, for answering machines, because we get a whole... More exposition on an answering machine. Oh, this 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 voicemail literally gives them everything they need to know to get to the, the straight fast forward to the finale like, of the movie. It, it is literally like step by step directions how to get to the fucking place. Here's the address. What, to or, what restaurant to stop on the way? What to order when you get there? Fucking every. This goes on forever. Take the second turn, not the first bend. The second turn, and you will appear at the. Destination. Like, no, it is before the time of GPS, or I guess they could have just pinned Eve and told them to show up. Because it really is that straightforward handed to them. And of course, Eve is demanding to go to this location where the remaining women will be. And of course, nobody seems to doubt her. They all take her there. <laughs> but let's clarify. The answering machine message is from Susan, yes. one of the girls from the beginning. That's that's one of the original boarding school girls. She's leaving the message for Euralia. <laughs> you you still have... You have not said... I don't know. Okay, so last week we had Raphael and fucking Diego. This week it's Eucalalia, Euralia, Areola. Areola. <laughs> like, Areola. well with the size of those knockers. But yeah, you haven't gotten this woman's name right. And she's once, and she's finally dead. So at least. Well, I, okay, so be happy that I'm at least trying to, trying to say her name because in my notes I just say lady with In her female. memory, let's say it together correctly. Eulalia. 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 So, well, maybe they. Okay, so where'd they come up with that name? We get we get names like Spain. I don't know. Julie. We get Julie. We get fucking Eve. We get Gabriel. We get Joel. Then we get Eulalia. They wanted something exotic for the character with the least development, I guess. Oh, and then we get Susan. Susan and Zoe, two lesbians. Yes. And they are... These (laughs) these two women are literally complete caricatures of their younger selves. It's absurd. They took, like, one basic trait in each girl, and they just aged them. Like, the fat one's still fat. The the nervous one's still nervous. The angry one's still angry. The the one of color, well, she's dead. Uh, So... (laughs) And the other one's got a cane. That's literally it. Like, each girl has one defined trait um but the, they they all take eve via car through this monsoon to <laughs> <laughs> to this destination and while they're driving they all get in an argument and joel being the only character who is rational 
he's basically, he's calling Eve out. He's like, this is insane. What are we doing? And Eve turns to him and she's like, well, if you don't want to come, just stop the car and get out. And it cuts and he's getting out of the car and I love it. I'm like, thank you, Joel, for being the one lucid person in this whole situation. And if it wasn't for his stupid girlfriend, who he doesn't even seem to like that much, Julia, who convinces him to get back in the vehicle, he may have gotten through this whole experience without any of the trauma coming from it. Yeah, he gets out of the car. What I do like about this is that he gets out. It's pouring rain. He gets out of the car, and then Gabriel gets out of the car, and then Julia gets out of the car. But if you're watching the scene, as I was, because I was so enamored by this film that I was just like glued to the screen, watching for all the nuances, (laughs) it's pouring rain, and none of them, none of them are getting wet. None of them. Their shirts are dry as can be but they're standing in the pouring rain. So apparently this nun has some magical powers because I, I noticed that they get back in the car. Joel finally does get back in the car uh, and they drive up to the road leading to the school. And there, now there is a random car blocking the road. How many, here's the thing. How much, how many warnings do you need before you're like, you know what? Let's just turn around and go home. Yeah, yeah. No, well, and even like at one point while uh, while Joel's like stomping around and Julia's trying to convince him to get back in the vehicle, um, Gabriel is like comforting Eve, and he, and like at this point you've seen like several people die. You'd think that you would have panic, but his response to her is, "Oh, Eve, I know we're all kind of nervous, but it'll be fine." And it's like, bitch. Your life is in danger. I know you're a priest and you believe in heaven and all of these things, but there is more reason for fear. This nun is made of fucking water. You cannot fuck with her, but he'll learn. They'll all learn in a little They'll bit. They'll all learn. They hike up to the they hike up to the old boarding school and they go inside. And it's a cool setting. I'm going to say this. Uh, it is. I have it's cre- it's creepy, it's atmospheric. Joel pulls out his camcorder that apparently he's had this whole time that we haven't seen until the last time we saw it was at the beginning of the film, but he pulls it out now to record a few seconds. So it switches into the POV shots that are pointless, that they don't do anything to drive any sort of plot. No, no, it's very awkward. Uh, It's really just to get them, I think, moving through the building faster and to where they need to go. But one thing I need to Uh, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I think it's weird that everything in this school seems to be have been preserved in time. Oh, yeah. Bible, Bibles, gifts, clothes are all there from 30 years ago. The word word sin is still on the board. I mean, like, it seems as though it was completely abandoned in the moment. And um, the, the answers to all of their questions are just right there in front of them. Well, I also like the fact that Eve does not seem to like these friends very much because she leaves them alone and goes off by herself constantly. She did it at the bar, the nightclub. She does it here. Like she just leaves. She just doesn't say where she's going. She just up and leaves. So she goes to explore this abandoned, uh, you know, school and she goes upstairs and is looking out the window and she happens to see the two lesbians. Oh, and they're bickering like lesbians do. Susan and Zoe, who just happen to be, you know, I mean, that's the thing. They're just there. They're just there. They're already there. Well, I mean, it makes sense because they, I will say, like, the pieces of the puzzle are put together here. They're just, it's too small of a puzzle. Like, they, 
they do explain that they are the women that are going to this location, and like the, all the women are meeting here intentionally. But um, uh, like she runs right up to them, for example, and she's like, "Hello," and they're all like, "Who are you?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm Eve, Mary's daughter." Like, there's just absolutely no like moments of like realism or confrontation or. I don't know. It just seems so separated from reality. Like, the humans in this movie act, like, so robotic. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the script. Yeah. It's the script. It's just the, the script is, it, it, it doesn't, it feels like it has to very clearly paint everything out for the audience. It's one of those amateurish mistakes that, you know, they, they tell you to avoid in script writing. You yeah. Know, when you write a script, it, you know, you don't need to force feed your audience everything. You, right. you tell them by action. You tell, you know, you, you don't, it's, this is very much tell, don't show. Yeah. And it's very much, there's nothing in this film that happens by coincidence. Everything right. is set up to go right along this particular straight plot line without straying or without allowing sort of any other diversions. It's just very lazy, dare I say. Oh yeah, no. I mean, it's it's not executed necessarily in a lazy way. It's a pretty looking film. However, the yeah, the script is just paper thin and it's too complex for its own good. And so it just waters it down and simplifies the interactions between humans to solely exist for the purpose of telling the story and nothing else. These characters have nothing else to them other than what is happening in the moment. And it makes for a very uh at times blasé and lackluster story where you just don't really care a lot about these people because they don't seem like they're real people who have anything real to them. It almost feels like it was like a first draft Mm -hmm. that went through no revisions. It was just like, Oh, let's shoot this because Hey, it's a pretty cool story. We got a killer nun. That's what else do we need? Yeah. Uh, Because yeah, none of these characters have any depth and like the characters that they try to give depth to still have these just unbelievable uh, flaws to them, like you mentioned with Gabriel, just so e- eagerly and un- unbashedly following this girl he met literally five minutes ago, following her to a basically a a, a killer's nun's chamber, so that he. It's just it makes zero sense. But anyways, uh, Zoe and Susan tell uh, Eve that basically that sister Ursula cannot be the one that's killing everybody because they're she's dead. And Eve's like, well, how do you know? And we get the flashback. Listen, at, the, at this point, I was already like, wow, this whole storyline didn't age necessarily great. When you get to the flashback of what actually happened, it... Is this even a thing? Like, is this a thing, Troy? Knowing what happens, can you can you flood out a baby from a woman's vagina? I'm sure if you had a high-powered hose, like a pressure washer, and you shoved it up there, I'm I'm pretty sure, probably. But a shower nozzle, I I, I don't know. I mean, that's how girls masturbate, is it not? That I mean, they just turn it up to like full vol- like high voltage, and they just let it go like this. Okay, so guys, I got ahead of myself. Basically, what happens is the girls are sneaking in to the the kitchen. Of the school, back in a flashback, you got the you got you got the six girls, five of which are sneaking into the pantry. 
led by Christy, shock and awe, um, and <laughs> they're snacking on cakes and drinking creams, and all of a sudden, they hear screams, and they, they pursue the screams, they run after, you know, the noise. Apparently, nobody else heard it. I'm guessing these are the only girls in the school <laughs> they, at this well, point. Okay. <laughs> they are, because even in the first scene, it was these six girls in the classroom, nobody else. And a bunch of small children. Remember, they walked by that... The nun walked by a pack of kids. But other than that, nobody seems to hear these blood-curdling screams coming from the bathrooms, which are the screams of Mary, whom they walk in on being vaginally drowned by Sister Ursula, who has wrapped, <laughs> like, a shower nozzle, a shower nozzle around her like an anaconda, and is shoving it in her vagina. And uh, peri- uh, trying to wash the sin out of her. Liter- literally, and figured she's trying to drown a baby because we find out Mary is pregnant. Guys, I know all of our listeners. I'm a, I'm going to assume all of our listeners are gay men. I, I not explain. I'm going to say 95% of our listeners are gay men <laughs> or people who identify as gay men, <laughs> women who are pretty much gay men. Um, uh, I don't expect anyone to know anything about vaginas. Or the, anything about to do with the matter. Um, but if you know, please answer our question. Is this, is this an actual, is this a feasible thing? Is this really something that can happen? Because Sister Ursula apparently has come to the conclusion that she can kill this baby by drowning it. And the kids, the girls, lo- reasonably lose their shit because it's just a weird thing to witness in general. And they <laughs> all proceed to like, run up on Ursula and start kicking her ass. Yeah, she falls in the bathtub and hits her head. <laughs> but she hits her head and she goes underwater. But then she, like, comes up and gasps for air. And the kids, I mean, if you started the task, you might as well finish it. So they just, like, proceed to, like, shove her into the water and actually drown her. Um, I mean, she could have actually survived the situation and pretty much, I think, would have gotten in trouble either way. Because she was trying to, you know, abuse a kid. But the girls decide to just finish the job. And they do drown and kill Sister Ursula. And they dump her body in a pond or a lake. <laughs> they they drop this nun into the lake. And apparently, <laughs> I'm guessing nuns are very dense. <laughs> because she just sinks right to the bottom. Like, she has to float. I, I, it doesn't seem like they tied any weight to her, but she sinks right to the bottom. And my question is, is this is like a pond in front of like a, like a, a lovely school. I feel like once daylight hits, <laughs> you'd look in and you'd see that nun just like <laughs> staring right up at you from like three feet of water. How did they go this long without <laughs> identifying that the nun was in there? I don't know, but now, but but now we get some convoluted story about how this nun possibly could be out for revenge because apparently this company or the something some some place drowned drained the pond two weeks ago, right? Uh, and so they're saying that that must have released her spirit from the watery murks of her grave so that she could start killing off everybody because it was remember it was exactly two weeks ago that the one girl was killed that we never met yeah you know that we never met the adult version i mean and the timing is just i guess ironically very well timed that this happened at the same time as the nun being discovered as you'll find out um (laughs) and joel makes his joke about oh is this oh is this some uh i know what you did 18 summers ago 
thing. Yeah, it's very of the era. They do a few little yeah. wink nod references, and I do love a movie reference, but these are heavy handed. Um, but uh, I will say that at this point, Zoe and um, Susan do prove to be, I would say, the most competent actresses in the film. Um, their characters are very thin, and they aren't in the movie very long, but they make it seem as though they're there with purpose. Um, and uh, I do enjoy Susan's little breakdown, because she's obviously the skittish, nervous one, and she progressively becomes more and more uh, panicked until she eventually, you know, just loses her shit. And she does a good job with it. Um, and she's very, very Christian. And so her panic very much is stemming from her belief that this vengeance that's about to be wreaked upon them is earned and that sister Ursula will get her revenge no matter what. Um, so I, 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 again, everybody splits up because this just seems to be the best yes, idea. There is a lot. Yeah, there is a lot. This, the last half hour of this movie is pretty boring in parts. It's, it's a lot of the characters splitting up into pairs and just conversing uh like next the next scene is gabriel and eve are walking around the place exploring they go into an old bedroom and this is when they find like a bible like a little prayer book that's actually inscribed to sister ursula from father miguel like because this was just this this just happens to still be laying out on the end table in this long abandoned um you know boarding school yeah and now this is when Everything that's happened to these two, they've seen countless dead bodies. They're 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 hunting a killer nun. They decide at this moment that it's it's the perfect time to make out and fuck. Oh my god! I mean, what's sexier than surviving trauma? Because that's what they bond over. They talk about how they both have survived severe trauma, um, and uh, that causes them to mount each other on the bed of a dead nun. Um, who I also feel like, and tell me if you agree on this, I think the angle of the storyline is that Father Miguel, whom Sister Ursula was in love with, is actually the man who got Mary pregnant, and Father Miguel is thus the father of Eve. Yes, So Eve is in love with a priest. Mm -hmm. Her mother was in love with a priest. The parallels here are uncanny. I mean... Like mother, like daughter. Yeah. And and Eve does turn at one point. She turns to, to, to uh, Gabriel and she says, just in a really cheerful tone, she goes, I'm really happy you came with us. And if I was Gabriel, I'd be like, oh, bitch, me too. Yeah, I'm really, really glad that you uh, you told me in advance about the water nun. And now you got me tied up in this nonsense. Thanks. I'm super happy with it. But apparently he is because he does full on make out with her, even with being a priest. Even with being a priest. And then you get just scenes of Joel and uh, Julia wandering around playing with fuses, trying to turn the electricity on. Uh, And then Gabriel leaves Eve alone because he wants to go find something. I don't know. He leaves her alone. And then there's a scene where the nun like jumps out of the bed (laughs) and like goes through her to get out. One of the the nun's best like. Pokemon attacks is that she splashes herself against people. Like she'll like throw her watery torso against people and cause a wave of water that causes them to get like thrown and drenched. They're just really wet. Like that's her like big, like final move. 
Um, but uh, yeah. he leaves because he 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 remembers yeah, seeing yeah. those. Yeah, he remembers. Yeah, those I mean, he like puts something. together somehow, some way through the information that's like legitimately been handed to them, honestly, but just been told to them by Zoe. Um, he realizes that all of the girls have the names of patron saints and ironically i mean every every major character in this is named after patron saint which is a very catholic thing to do let's be real um but um uh, he takes them to this hall of saints which is pretty horrifying because it's literally just a hall of massive oil paintings of different female saints being massacred and uh, each each saint gets like sounded off, and each painting corresponds with the deaths of individuals who have already passed. Unfortunately, they also identify the deaths of people who have not yet passed. So you basically know like what's going to happen and how it's going to happen, and it does happen. <laughs> so you're you're given this bit of information, which thus adds for a uh, it makes for a rather lackluster finale in some ways. Yeah, I mean it's it's very spelled out how each of the characters are going to die based on the paintings one gets her throat slit one gets burned in an oven one i mean it's and that's exactly what happens yeah they also find a a painting of saint ursula though because ursula was named after a a patron saint and um saint ursula died by being speared through the heart and zoe is already on it she uh, somehow has managed to smuggle a massive sash of weaponry into <laughs> this school. Including a spear gun. There's, it's a like a full-on harpoon. <laughs> yes, that she found in this cat, girls' Catholic school. A full. Well, I'm thinking she brought it, but how did she even know to bring it? Did they know that they were coming here with intentions to kill? I guess so. Well, they, w- they wouldn't have known how the she was supposed to die i feel like this this movie really struggles with like a problem of you just gotta accept it and go with it and after you get too much of that it just becomes nonsensical like the finale is visually i don't want to say stunning because i wouldn't say stunning but visually stimulating at times but it also makes absolutely no sense like if you think the rest of the movie guys has been hard to follow or even worse too easy to follow because it's so convoluted that they have to just tell you what's going on um the the ending just it goes off the rails it really does because this is the point where uh zoe runs off saying she's not gonna die she's not gonna die so she's not gonna get burned to death so she runs off with her spear gun her harpoon Susan has a fucking mental breakdown and locks herself in a room screaming at Eve about basically telling Eve that she's the cause of all this. In the meantime, this is the leakiest damn building ever because it's just pouring rain down on Susan in this room. And I was like, if this was the point where it just was a little confusing, I think they were getting ahead of themselves as far as like why uh, Susan would be blaming Eve for all of this. It didn't really make a lot of sense until you kind of got to the ending. I thought maybe, I don't know, they got a little ahead of themselves. Anyways, basically what happens is Susan is in this room, starts to leak water. The nun does her famous like jumping out of the wall, jumps through Susan, 
Susan, in the meantime, is just standing there saying her Hail Mary with her little rosary. And the nun goes right through her and back to the wall. You get this kind of nice little moment where you where Susan thinks she's safe, right? She thinks her rosary and her little prayers has have saved, have spared her life from the nun. But oh no. No, no, no. The nun comes back out of the wall, sl- takes her, slams her through a fucking glass door, and a large pane of glass proceeds to drop down and decapitate poor Susan. Oh, it's a really good effect. Like, I, better than I would have anticipated at this point. Um, there are a few of these moments during the finale that are actually really good, which doesn't necessarily save the finale from itself, but it does make it palatable. Um, and this sequence, well, you're right. Like, you know, Susan, basically, she's just there as exposition. And she's just there to kind of start this idea of accusing Eve. And they do jump ahead of themselves because they're really just trying to tell the story and get it over with. Uh, there is no nuance whatsoever. Well, at this, so, point, at this point, we want them to get it over with, too, I think. Yeah, I agree. And so Susan is, you know, she's she's caught up in this sequence of, of what is a really flashy scene. There's like thunderclaps and lighting cues and this really great set. Doors are slamming all around her. You've got Eve slapping on the glass, screaming for her to just listen to her. And um, they edit it really well in a really flashy way but they kind of just plow through the dialogue and get it done. And, and it is one of those things that it makes for Susan's character to feel very um, disposable, uh, which I mean, I guess all of these girls from the initial storyline are pretty much disposable, but I think you'd kind of expect one of them to kind of rise up. And Zoe kind of does, but not as much as I would hope for. I mean, if they would have just maybe let some of these characters develop a little bit more, uh, we could have, cared but not one character in this film leaves me with a feeling of oh i'm bummed they died or oh wow they really didn't deserve what was coming to them like i don't know nobody in this really has any meat to them (laughs) yeah there is a yeah i agree after this there's a scene where a split second where eve sees the nun and tries to shoot it with a spear gun but nobody else sees it so now zoe's like well you must you must be the only one that can see her. Then we get, and because of because of who you are, because you were with us, you were with us before. And again, I've already at this point in the film, I already made the inference that Mary was pregnant, and and that was why the nun was trying to wash out her, um, you know, vagina and kill the baby. I already got that. I I already got that, but. The film proceeds to give you a, another flashback just to blatantly, not even any inferencing required, blatantly sh- say, yes, Mary was pregnant. Yes, Father Miguel is the father because you get a scene with Mary uh, taking a pregnancy test. And the nun, why does this bitch, why is this Mary bitch do all this shit in front of the nun, not thinking she's going to get caught? She's the one that was writing the love letter and the nun's right there. She's taking a pregnancy test right in front of the nun. And the nun's like, let me see. And then she's like, oh, you whore, you whore. I'm going to drown your baby inside of you. I'm going to drown your sins. (laughs) And she proceeds to like, that's when she shoves the, uh, the water hose up her vagina. But it's like there's no subtlety. We are the viewer already could have gotten that from what we've already been seeing. It's just like, Ugh. 
Yeah, yeah, I think you're right what you said earlier, and it just it keeps it keeps being the continuous project uh, problem through this whole project is the script just really needed a few more loving passes before it was given the green light to be filmed because the script is just it is like thin as fuck and it, these characters are just so like wooden it, ah, it it's 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 rough the decisions that are made just are not really rational and and i mean my big problem is nobody has yet to have seen sister ursula aside from eve eve is the only one who's identified her exactly but everyone but everyone is just on board and and yeah like it's, oh it, it must be sister ursula now how I mean, I'm sorry. I'm I'm a horror fan. I'm I'm pretty open minded, but it would take a lot. I'm sorry. It would take a lot of convincing uh, for me to get on board that there is a killer ghost nun to begin with. I, I mean, I'm not just good, but these people, all of them, all of them are just like, oh yes, there's a killer nun. Time after time, time after time. How many times in this movie is Eve the only one that's? like with somebody when they die or around them when they die and now for zoe like i really watched this i hadn't seen it in so many years and i was like is this what she calls her out i just can't remember and zoe literally like walks up to her and she's like that means there's only one conclusion that you're the only one that can see her and that we have to use you to locate her like and everybody's like yeah that sounds plausible. Let's do it. Let's lure the nun. You got Eve just a moment ago firing a harpoon into midair at nothing. And people are okay with it? I don't get it. I don't get it. But whatever. So they're trying to figure out what the plan is to, to figure this out. Yeah. This is Gabriel's big plan, which is to basically he has come to the conclusion, again, how easily these fucking people buy that there is a ghost nun slaughtering everybody because now Gabriel is like, well, the only way we can kill her, is she needs to die in the water. She's from the water. So she needs to die in the water. <laughs> and if we get her in the water, she will be flesh and she blood will be again. <laughs> Where are you getting this from, Gabriel? What the fuck <laughs> book are you reading? That And why, who, why do you trust the girl you just met earlier yesterday at, for making copies for her. That's all you know about her. Why are you so trusting of her? And you, Julia, who can't get a word of dialogue out of your mouth, you know that <laughs> this girl's mother had suicidal tendencies. Why are you okay with this? Nobody's being a good friend to Eve. Everybody's just encouraging her delusional fantasies, which have absolutely no clout or support behind them whatsoever. <laughs> No, they're gonna flood. They're gonna flood this damn school. So now we get a, a a montage of all these characters running around, turning water on, clogging drains. The two guys go upstairs to the water tank so that they can open up the water tanks, and through a, a series of mechanical issues, Gabriel ends up sprayed with water and impaled on a shard of metal pipe, which. Okay, within the storyline as it's progressed thus far, like, maybe makes sense. But once you know the conclusion of this movie, literally, it's just a horrible, horrible error on Joel's part and nothing else. Like, Joel just fucked up and killed Gabriel. And Gabriel dies a a death that was completely unwarranted and not at all related to anything that's going on. But that's aside from everything else that's going on. 
Zoe has opted to run off with Eve. And okay, even if I'm going to appease this girl and be like, yeah, okay, let's flood this abandoned boarding school and lure a specter water nun so we can spear her with a harpoon through the chest a la her patron saint. That's a plan. That's a plan. That's a rational plan. Even if I agree to go along with that, I am absolutely not going to be going anywhere with this girl alone. Okay? I at least have enough of sense to not cut myself off with her just in case maybe our plan is bullshit and this girl's just a fucking wacko. Yeah. I just want to go back to Gabriel's death. That was another dirty death. This He did not deserve to die. Uh, he was a sweet character. And just to kill him off like that. And just and, and just a random, like, and, and it, just, it doesn't make any sense considering who they leave alive in this film. Literally everybody Except dies in this movie. Julia. Well, uh, in, the, in the name of their, in the name of their patron saint, all of the victims die yeah. according to their patron saint. Aside from well, and then Julia, Gabriel. but the, 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 the characters that survive in this film are like the two like least likely. Uh, uh, okay, we'll get there. We're yeah. almost there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Zoe yeah. goes into the kitchen, and basically the the nun appears and cooks her. Apparent. She Hansel and Gretel's yeah, her ass because she she pushed. How does she why, get why, that up and going? Still stand like when. <laughs> Julie runs down to find Zoe's body in the uh, oven. She's like still standing upright. Like she's fried to a crisp. She's fried to a crisp standing upright. Julia does not react at all. It took, well, it took me a while to figure out what it was because yeah. it's, it, it, it somehow turned into a midget. Like it's not a <laughs> no. full, so it's not a full size woman. If you looked at it, it looks like it's about three foot tall. She like backed. I think she must have backed her in there and like made her made forced her. To I was like, what is this little person? Get into that. <laughs> get in that fire. <laughs> like, and she's just like squeezing her body into this blazing fire. But um, no, it's just um that whole moment with the oven again. As we find out what the finale is, I don't even understand how you how can get you- that oven going. <laughs> Like how that, is how that is no that quickly that so it's that hot that it literally chars a person to a blackened crisp that that takes it's, some time. Julia literally found her within thirty seconds. I mean, it, it's such an anticlimactic and um like lackluster finish. It's handled in a way, the death is handled in a way that's like cut back and forth between other moments. So Zoe, who's technically the last one standing out of the original women, has a very unceremonial death. Like it's um oh, excuse me. Like what's I mean let me think of a better term for that. Like you would think like her You'd think that her character being who she is and her relationship to the scenario, they would kind of send her off in a bigger manner. But they just leave her for another awkward reveal, which this movie is kind of plagued with a couple of just really weird reveal shots where you could have easily like made the kill something more graphic, but instead they cut away. And then they cut to, I don't know, ukulele hanging from the, the strings in the bathroom or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there are a lot of cutaways. And this one, I feel like this kill, especially coming after Susan's graphic 
and actually kind of kick-ass kill, I was really thinking that this could have been something far more intense. But instead, they yeah, they just choose like to show. You see Zoe like look up and she realizes that the nun is behind her, and then it cuts away, and then the next thing you know, you have Julia running through the kitchen and she just opens the stove and boom barbecued zoe it's just a yeah, reveal yeah it's yeah pretty, yeah and again it makes zero sense there's no there was no time there would be no time for her to i mean that oven gets hot god can you imagine cooking food for children in that oven no yeah but um uh so now we're down to the final head count we've got julia who's running around getting shit done at this point uh joel who's making a array of good choices but also accidentally gets you know a person killed and then you've got <laughs> eve who is still completely convinced and i think that's the only reason people really follow her is because eve is very convinced that water none exists and so she and julia managed to actually flood the basement, like it fills up like a pool. It's quite a lavish set piece. It's it makes for a visually stimulating finale. At the same moment, though, uh, as Julia is trying to actually get some of the water out so that they don't get electrocuted, Joel comes up and finds her. And now Joel has done some 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 thinking. You know, Joe's had some time to think. He he just killed Gabriel, so he's had some time to do some inner reflection and think about probably how fucking ridiculous and silly all of this bullshit is. I mean, you just got someone accidentally killed because of this ridiculousness. So Joel actually has come to his senses and figured something out. And what he figured out is something that should have been blatantly obvious all along. And it's one of those twist endings that some people are going to bitch about and some people are going to, you know, find implausible. And it very much is implausible based on everything that's happened in the movie. But the um, but the basically, Roger, the uh, twist is that Joe, Joel figures it out. Eve's the killer. Uh, Eve, Eve is water nun. I mean, Eve is water nun and water nun is Eve. And, and I think... Uh, I feel like I've been really trying to push through this review so we can spend an ample amount of time dissecting the most problematic element of the film, and it is honestly the ending. The early 2000s really, really loved the twist ending that the hero was the killer all along. It's the high-tension finale, you know, and it works for some movies and it doesn't work work for others and and this movie and i mean it could have been cool maybe if it was handled better but because of their choice to go really supernatural with the entity of water nun of of ursula um and to have her presence be very much something that's acknowledged by people who are about to be dispatched by ursula it, it provides a really um bizarre conclusion for the viewer um and so basically it all comes down to this whole sequence where eve is in this flooded basement this really great set piece with a harpoon gun and she's basically watching as ursula manifests and you know swoops in swims in to kill her 
and she fires her harpoon and you see her stab Ursula. You know, you see the arrow go through Ursula and she's apparently defeated. And then and meanwhile, as this is happening, Joel is providing his, you know, his revelation and he's telling Julia, who up to this point has been, you know, sticking by Eve through hell and high water, literally. Um, and she's very resistant at first. He's like, I've got to tell you something. She's like, no, it's not the time. I'm like, now is the best fucking time, bitch, because people are dead. But so he finally, you know, he explains his theory to her and it all kind of comes together and it sounds a lot more reasonable than anything else anybody has concluded thus far. Um, and so they, you know, they run back into the basement and they swim into the water just in time to find that Eve somehow, some way, managed to harpoon herself, even though that is completely irrational, because the harpoon gun is far too long for her to have shot herself. So, I mean, maybe she just stabbed the harpoon through her chest, but whatever. So, I mean, yeah. Eve has been the killer all along. And, like, you could literally sit here and, like, we can go through a few of these sequences and talk about just how not possible this is. You know, like, when you think of the way some of these women were killed, like, I mean, how, how, for example, like, they flash back to everything and you see, like, you get shots of Eve being there, but... For uh, Christy, for example, how the fuck did Eve get that elevator to collapse on her? I mean, um, oh God, what, um, Susan, I mean, I know, I mean, like, I, I know she was there. I know, like, you see a moment where Susan sees that it's actually Eve on the other side of the glass, but you see all the doors, like, slamming around her and everything, and the, I mean... How did that happen? Are we just supposed to believe that actually, like, they were just fooling us, wink, wink, it happened a different way, because then I feel really ripped off. How the fuck did she get that fucking stove going? Is there gas in that building? Did she start a fire with kindling and wood? What about all of the water that, like, the faucets leaking and water toilets exploding? And- I mean, these are all things that happened over the course of the movie. There's things that you can't convince me were just, like, illusions or like things that people were you know mistaking for something else like no there are things that very obviously happened over the course of the film and to say that this was all real like that i mean it's like that somebody was really doing like a human being was doing this that something not supernatural was behind this just does not jive at all it doesn't make any sense in and you know, I think this movie had some really cool concepts that I would like almost to see explored in a different movie, like the deaths via patron saint. I mean, that's a cool concept. Now, I think it could be done 10 times better nowadays. You know, I used to love this movie when I was a kid, but now watching it, I see how absurd the storyline is. And I like a little bit of absurdity, but this is just bullshit. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. At least, I mean, I, I, there for a minute, I'm, I was thinking, are we supposed to, is it supposed to be like it, there still is a supernatural element where like the nun possessed her? But even that doesn't make sense. But Yeah, I mean, Joel's conclusion is just too restrained and realistic, Yeah, it's I basically, guess. yeah, the, the she knew all along that her mother had killed the nun. She heard and she suppressed it. She heard her mother talk about it when she was a little girl. 
and that she knew her mother was pregnant and who her father was and stuff like that. So it's like she repressed it. And then the fact that that shower thing at the beginning kind of like snapped, reopened the whole thing and turned her into this like murderous. But that doesn't make any sense either yeah. because the girl, the one girl was killed two weeks before with that we never see. Right. So is that just ironic timing that everybody's already panicking about before any of this has even happened? Like the girls just happen, the women, now women, just happen to be already like discussing the potential of like Ursula's back for us without even having Eve involved in the picture, let alone Eve having the shower revelation of everything that occurred, which like, wouldn't that happen every time she takes a shower to begin with? Like how many times have you been startled in the shower when the water was too cold or burned you? Like, I, I mean, that's all it took to set off a series of murders? Okay, girl. Um, eh, I don't know. Uh, Eve is the nun. The nun is Eve. Eve. Is the, Eve is the nun. The nun is Eve. Eve is killing everybody. It's like you said, it's high tension. Although high tension, I can buy a little bit better because oh, yeah. I know, oh, this is a controversial take, take, but a lot of people hate high tension because of the ending and they say that the ending is nonsensical. And doesn't make any sense and has way too many plot holes. But the whole explanation and not in high tension is the fact that everything that happened in the movie was happening inside of um, the character. What was her name? Cecile? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cecile's mind. Like that, the whole movie up until the ending was Cecile imagining what was happening to them, even though she ends up being the killer. We're watching a movie that's from her perspective, right? So a lot of the plot elements can be, you know, the plot holes that people say that tr- that twist ending actually creates can easily be explained a way that we're watching this whole thing unveil through her mind. Um, this is way different. Oh, yeah. Well, and also like high tension. I, yeah, I, I know that people don't love high tension. I really enjoyed high tension. Yeah. And I think one of the things is you have to keep in mind, it was also tackling some material that was way more like human. Like the whole angle of these two girls being lesbians and this girl like kind of obviously struggling with that and, and the fear of meeting, you know, her girlfriend's family and that bringing certain things to the surface. Like I think that it was way more nuanced and a lot more of a simplistic storyline. It was like over the course of one night. This took, I think, was trying to do the same thing, but made it way too elaborate for its own good and added in the whole, like, you know, supernatural aspect that when you strip away the that being a possibility, that being actually part of the, the, the puzzle, you know, you pull that piece away and everything else just falls apart because... None of this could have technically taken place the way it apparently did, as we're being told now as the viewers. You're telling us now that Eve did this every time. Eve was the one that was killing people. Well, then, were the cops that inept that they couldn't detect that from the evidence they found upon the first murder? Why were people not questioning the fact that Eve was there on location time after time. Why did nobody hold her like accountable or question her, question her stability after losing her mother, especially Julia, whom you said like, you know, made a bad choice at the beginning. Julia knows what she knows about her mother, you know, being suicidal and Eve having grown up with a very messed up childhood. Apparently if people knew this, why were people trusting her exactly so that's well, i guess that was kind of my point in terms of like julia telling the cops uh so freely that her mother killed herself because to, that just 
it just paints that sort of suspicion or paints that doubt. So if Julia already doubted the fact that the mother was murdered and she was, she's trying to rely on the fact that, Hey, the mother probably committed suicide because she's tried it before. And then she was all about the fact that the elevator thing was just a horrible accident. But then five minutes later, she's all, all into like following this character to this old, you know, boarding house and being on board with flooding the, the school so they can lure this nun into the water. It just, these characters have no like sort of consistency or any sort of, like solid personality traits that make them realistic. It's just like the characters change and, and, and bend and change at the whim based on what needs to happen in the plot. Yeah. They're not thinking through the actual uh, plausibility of each incident. Like, I mean, example with Christie's whole chase sequence after the toilet explodes, apparently just explodes on her with no explanation. Now, um, <clears throat> You see a flashback of her being chased by Eve down a hallway. Okay, well, there's I've got a lot of questions with this moment alone. If Eve was pursuing her, that means she was in that hotel to begin with. Not coming right through the door as shit was happening. So how the fuck did that happen? That aside, this is a high-end hotel. Don't tell me it's not. It's a beautiful hotel. Are there not cameras? Yeah. Like, how are they not catching these things happening? How are the... How are they timing these things out for it to even happen to begin with? How does Eve know to time these things out to ensure that people are getting their arms cut off and their heads severed by pieces of glass? It just is not at all plausible. And it, it definitely does take away from the finale. And it is one of those endings that I would have rather she would have been a fucking water nun. <laughs> I wish that that Sister Ursula was actually a demon because then at least she... She, she may not have always been the most effective CGI, but she was fun. I can't think of a lot of other villains that have that same kind of shtick, you know? Yeah, no, I, come, come on, a fucking water nun? Yeah. You know, what more do you need? Yeah, so the the nun hasn't necessarily um, aged well, and it didn't even get, you know, it wasn't regarded as a masterpiece when it came out, but the CGI isn't always in its favor and the story just, I think if anything, this being a Spanish produced film, I wonder if maybe the script just got screwed up in translation. Like I, I wonder if that's an aspect because you, like you said this earlier on in the review, but a lot of times these European or, you know, international films that kind of try to do an Americanized film, certain parts just do not land. And that is a big issue here with the nun. It doesn't feel like a piece of American cinema, but it sure feels like they're trying to be. And uh, I think they definitely lose some of the charm of what is a great, you know, international piece of cinema by trying to be too American. Yeah. I mean, it has its positive. It's a great, it's a good looking film. Uh, There are some really effective uh, sort of uh, set pieces and there are some generally kind of creepy little moments in the film. But overall, yeah, it just it falls flat for me. I, I found myself with this film getting bored uh, quite a bit. And once you find out the ending and then, I, you know, I usually rewatch the I usually watch the films that we review probably two or three times uh, and watching it again, knowing the ending just kind of made me all the more frustrated because of how implausible it is. But I mean, for a slice of early 2000s slasher, you know, it's it's good for a one-time watch. I do think, yeah, I think it's 
a little bit boring in parts. I think that's another issue that the film has is pacing. There's too many scenes towards the end of the film of just people walking around talking in the exposition or the, the, the plot is spoon fed to you to the point that it becomes ridiculous. Like whoever wrote oh this God. script has no idea what inferencing or subtlety is. It's a fun movie, but it's definitely a victim of its own, of its own exposition. And um, if you're going to watch this movie, I would say watch it with low expectations and a deep bowl of popcorn. Uh, and you probably want to be stoned going into it because you could say what you want to say about the nun, but you know, a water-based nun demon killer is fun no matter what. You just got to be in the right mindset for it. So this movie's not deep. It's not as deep as the water in it. But it is a fun ride, and I certainly don't hate it. It was very nostalgic for me. I forgot how much I uh, loved this movie as a teen, and uh, it was fun to revisit it. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said, I don't remember if I've, I've – I'm sure I watched it years ago, but I, I'm glad I got a chance to revisit it. It's not something I'd probably ever put in again, uh, but hey – it's the nun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I at least got to see Christy in her silk nighty. That's all I care about. And you know, that's all I wanted for you. And I'm happy that um that you were appeased because if that wouldn't have delivered, then I I'm all out of tricks with this one. But um I can't say the same thing about the next one because I'm picking the next movie, guys. And Troy here. Sometimes Troy gets me on a kick and I can't I can't shake it. I thought I knew every movie I wanted lined up from here to next June. Um, but uh, Troy got me on this kick of like early 2000s international slashers that like I just it came out of nowhere. It hit me like a fucking freight train and I'm all for it. So I pushed aside my like list of impending titles uh, for one that just completely i had forgotten about until these came up and it's another film that i fucking adored as a teen and this one hit my freshman year of high school it's a little bit older so this movie was very definitive for me and it also really kicked off my like strange obsession with aj cook who went on to star in final destination 2 my favorite in the series um and it is 2001's british canadian slasher Ripper. It is a slasher film that is completely inspired off of the uh, Jack the Ripper killers, which I said I love themed killings. I love it when a killer has a theme and they're trying to recreate a certain motif. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. And this also has a cast that includes a lot of actresses that went on to work in the industry. Aside from A.J. Cook, we've got um, Kelly Brook who you will definitely recognize from Piranha 3D, which is a movie that I really liked, as well as House of Nine, which is a very underrated title, and we will definitely be uh, reviewing that at some point, Troy, I think. And also, Emmanuel Valguer, who is uh, from Saw 2, and she had a bunch of other titles, um, but she's another actress who's just super recognizable, Lots of horror movies under her belt. So um, this is another movie that's going to be super nostalgic for me. And I'm so happy I just randomly thought of it. And you definitely set that off, Troy. So thank you. Because I love revisiting these movies that were very formative for me and my love of the genre. Yes, this one is going to be a fun one. Because again, this is one I I've, I know I've seen this one. I've seen it a couple times. I had sort of a, like a little mini infatuation with it for, there for a little bit where I would rent this film kind of, you know, 
uh, on a regular basis, the Ripper. So I'm really excited to to revisit it and give it a watch and chat with you about it. Yeah, and I bet there's a lot of queers who love you know this era and know this title. I don't think everyone knows Ripper, but I think there's going to be a lot of gays that are going to get what I'm going for with this one. I think this one's probably going to hold up a lot better than The Nun, um, just because it's a lot more of a straight-to-the-point by the numbers slasher, but in a, in a good way, in a way that it benefits. Um, but we'll see. Who knows? I could throw it in and be completely thrown off and everything I remember about it can be completely false. So maybe I'm wrong, but I got good, vi- I good feelings about the, uh, I do too. I do too. I, I yeah. distinctly remember it being a pretty good film. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a fun one. It yeah. will definitely be a fun one. Yeah. And if we, if we like it enough, there's always Ripper two, a uh, letter from hell with a different female lead. And I've never seen it. So I've never seen that one either. Oh, Troy. Yeah, I know. I know we're, uh, we know what's coming. Yeah. We're setting it up. We're setting it up. But yeah, guys, The Nun, I really hope you um, you all enjoyed this one. It is a very obscure title. I'm sure a lot of you don't know it. If you did watch it and you hated it, um, please don't come for me. We don't always want to give you the best cinema. We just want to give you the most obscure cinema. Yeah, fun stuff that's just fun to sit back and talk about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And sometimes it's not meant to make you think so much as just realize that, hell, I could have written something 10 times better. Why am I not famous? <laughs> I agree. Uh, but yeah, but guys, thank you again, as always, for, for tuning in. And, you know, always with the, with the five-star ratings and be, pay, be paying attention to our social media for some other fun things that are coming up. I know last week we mentioned Patreon, so we're getting that started. And we have a lot of plans, a lot of fun movies, I know, on our lists to to cover so the rest of the rest of 2021 is going to be a blast with the with our picks and our some of our guests that we have lined up oh my gosh i have some titles like i literally am now at a point where i'm like between three movies uh a selection like trying to debate between certain titles because i keep thinking of random ones i'm like oh my god i want to dissect this one so bad and but then like you got to pick it at the right time but i literally have a list of like 40 titles deep now of movies I'm just aching to pick apart with you or, you know, just celebrate with you because some of these titles I just love by default. Um, But yeah, and some of our guests, like, again, there is a list a mile long of people that I know are going to be on this sooner or later. And we've got some really awesome talent, some really great personalities, some social media personalities and some actors and some filmmakers that, like, I think you guys are going to be uh, pretty jazzed about. I know I am, and I know Troy is too. Oh, absolutely. Fucking lootly. And we're also getting really good at wrapping these up right at the hour 55 minute mark. <laughs> yeah, hour 55 minutes. Yes, here we go. So, thank you guys for tuning into The Nun. Next week, it is Ripper. AJ Cook, y'all. Get to know our name. AJ Cook. <laughs> yes. So, until next week, we shall bid you adieu <laughs> I was trying to think of God bless and good night <laughs>